And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. Intentional freak! Two! Along the circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, oh. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go and now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God damn lucky he didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish. Stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, she let's thought, go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia, shut up. I say shut up. It's a man! Oh, man! Hello and welcome to Commentary Monthly Monday, and this is the special Christmas edition of Commentary Monthly Monday because, well, it's the first cr- commentary before Christmas. <laughs> it's the December commentary, so it's got to be someone Christmassy. I'm Chris Honeywell. I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? And as you've seen by the title of this show, and if you're on 2TrueFreaks.com looking at the artwork for it, it gives you absolutely no idea nothing what movie we're doing. I put up a challenge on Facebook for anybody to guess. They'd get a free comic book so far as of the recording. They have till Monday, with, you know, when this comes out to guess. Nobody's guessed. Um, so we're going to tell Obviously, we're going to tell you what movie it is because you got to procure it and queue it Let's up and not. watch it along with us. <laughs> let's not let's not tell him what it is <laughs> yeah. or let's tell him the wrong movie you can just make it up in your head yeah they're watching gone with the wind and hearing us talk about this movie that would be fun. <laughs> might not time up the same but uh that would be interesting to pull like a pull like a, a dark side of the moon we gotta find know, tell him that we're, we're, we're doing length. like yeah. <laughs> tell him we're doing like it's a wonderful life but we're actually doing this movie and have him yeah, grab be like the head of alpha garcia or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> issue a challenge to see what that's what we should do sometime a secret a secret movie one where you know d- see how you know the first person who can guess what movie we're actually watching <laughs> i think we did that one time did we? And about, after about 30 seconds we spoiled it we were like 
well, yeah, we're doing this movie, and then we were like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to keep this a secret longer, weren't we? Yeah, I think it was for uh, Generations we did that. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, since before you know, you get to know what the movie is, I'm going to make this sort of plea to you, uh, which is um, don't, if you haven't seen this, if it turns out you haven't seen this movie before, Please, before, if you plan on watching this movie ever, which you should watch, because obviously here it is, we've picked it. Um, if you're, if you're going to watch it, don't, wa don't watch it with our commentary first, because I think it'll just sort of ruin the magic of this particular movie. I think this movie should be appreciated on its own, you know, if you're going to watch it for the first time. If you're familiar with it, hey, go for it. You know, we're, we're not ruining anything. But I have done some research and I plan on doing some analysis and ranting and raving that could probably hamper the enjoyment of the movie if you've never seen it before. So that's my disclaimer. I'm done with it. Um, <laughs> and Scott Gardner is going to explain to you what the hell is going on here. <laughs> Well, as you as you may have heard, if you're a regular listener to uh, Two True Freaks, and in particular Commentary Monthly Monday, we were trying to decide what exactly did we want to do for December's Commentary Monthly Monday. Did we want to do something Christmassy, or, or what did we want to do? Now, by now, hopefully you have heard uh, I put out a special uh, First Impressions review episode for Saving Mr. Banks. Now, we had talked... Uh, both briefly on the air and quite a bit off the air about what were we going to do uh, as far as, you know, we have been, for the bulk of the year, I think, this year, 2013, we have been doing tie-ins to big movies that, you know, theatrical movies that have come out. You know, we did Thor when Thor uh, 2 came out. We did uh, Iron Man 2 when Iron Man 3 came out, that sort of thing. I really wanted to do something for... Saving Mr. Banks coming out, and we had talked quite a bit about doing Mary Poppins, but we ultimately came to feel that that probably just wasn't really the project for us. But we wanted to do something Disney-related, or at least some sort of tie-in to that. But also I was thinking, what about all the things that we've been you know, talking about for years in some cases? You know, movies that we've teased doing repeatedly that have just been, you know, on the back burner. How about moving one of those forward? And we again, we tossed around different ideas. I know that uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit got tossed out there at one time. And, uh, and I still like that idea. I'd still like to do that one. And just trying to come up with something. And then recently, it was in the news. I don't know if you saw this, Chris. There was some recent news where, I guess... The deal with uh, Disney acquiring Lucasfilm wasn't quite as lock, stock, and barrel as I originally thought that it was, or that all of us originally thought that it was, because they didn't quite get all of Indiana Jones or something to that effect. There was some sort of legal tie-up thing with Paramount. And the news story that I recently saw says basically that they've worked something out. So now... Uh, you know, the future of Indiana Jones, whatever it is, you know, it can go forward and that there will be new ones. And uh, it looks like it may, at least at the moment, it looks like it may be some sort of joint venture between the two of them or maybe the, the existing four 
when they get released or re-released will be some sort of joint venture, something to that effect. And it got me to thinking, and I don't think a lot of people really know this, that there is a history with with, um, Paramount and Disney that goes back at least, to my knowledge, at least to 1980. There's a, a movie that they actually produced together. And it's a movie that you and I have talked about doing quite a number of times. And I know that there's a lot of our listeners that have been very excited and and been kind of chomping at the bit for us to finally get to it. But what interested me is that I know that we have some listeners that are also like, oh, my God, I hate that movie. Scott Rifen being one of them. (laughs) So this this really intrigued me, this idea of doing something that I know he really can't stand to see if he'll listen and what feedback he may give us, you know, on this project. So if you haven't oh, guessed he's gonna already, listen. Oh, I'm, I'm telling so. you right I'm now, so. I'm, I'm saying this right now and I'm going to go on Facebook and tell his asses that I'm going to be while I'm doing this and I'll address him by name. <laughs> All my commentary on this is going to be an open letter to Scott Rifon on why oh, he no. love this movie. <laughs> oh no, I'll be nice. But yeah. Well, did I you hate know that it. someone hates this movie? Oh man, it's like lots, a little lots baby. of people really are down on oh, this movie, which which really breaks my heart because I I I love this movie. You know, I'm going to say un- it right now, if I have a top 10 list, this might be in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Oh wow. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I really do adore this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> well, if you guys have not guessed by now what film we are doing, because I, I got to tell you, otherwise... I might have guessed by now. <laughs> yeah, it, you, You're going to have trouble following along if we don't spill the beans, so we got to spill the beans. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, joint venture between Disney and Paramount, 1980. This is... Popeye, starring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. That is the film that we are going to be covering. So, Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas present to you. I think you're going to get a kick out of it. Love or hate the movie, we love the movie. I love it. So hopefully, you'll, you're going to have a good time with us just cutting up and, uh, and having fun along with it. And I'm just going to warn you right now, there may be singing. There actually may be. Oh! So, Maybe. <laughs> so what do you think? Are we about ready to get this baby rolling? Oh, yeah. You want me to give the countdown? Yep. Let me make sure that everything... Okay, we are all set. We are paused. At, after hitting the play button, we are paused at zero, zero. We are all set to watch Popeye. Now, by the way, this is the live-action Popeye mm-hmm. with, uh, again, Robin Williams from This is not... A cartoon, although it does uh, interestingly, it starts off as a cartoon. Directed, kinda... yep. Directed by Robert Altman, written by Jules Pfeiffer. Songs by Harry Nielsen. All right, for those of you familiar, you know the drill. For the new guys, I count down from three to one, and then I say go. And I say go. You hit play on your little play button, and the movie will start. And then we will begin to blab. Three, <laughs> to who, one. Go. All right, it is going. A Paramount picture. Now, 
my origin story, I saw this at the Lauville Theater. Oh, you saw this in the theater? In an old-timey, and with a whole bunch of kids, my, my mom and some other parents, I can't, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you who the other kids were, you know, I'm sure it was my sister and the neighbor kids. But it was a whole bunch of kids got carted to the Lawville Theater, which was one of those old-timey ones with a curtain that got drawn. So the curtain opened up, and then you saw that little Popeye That's cool. cartoon in it. It was classic. And I mean, I remember that theater, I remember intensely seeing three movies there. This one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and National Lampoon's Vacation. And, uh, I don't know my origin story for this one, but I'm going to assume, and I think safely assume, that this was an HBO discovery. You and I have watched I, this on HBO so yeah. many times. You it's probably ridiculous. introduced me to it, actually, because I can't imagine my folks having taken me to this, and I'm not sure that this was a movie I cared to go see. I did, you know? really. I, I did because... I was a huge Robin Williams fan from Mork and Mindy and his right. comedy album that he had out. But, um, yeah, but it would, it, you know, it's not science fiction-y. And Popeye, I liked Popeye, but he wasn't like, you know, oh, Popeye, I got to see what's what's going on with that. This movie made me like Popeye because prior to this, my knowledge of Popeye was pretty much just from cartoons the, uh, the cartoons and not even the good cartoons right it was like those latter day really shitty cartoons well it, it, it almost through all period there's like like when they first started making pop popeye cartoons they were really good but then they went through various phases of being really good really shitty really good really shitty so it, it almost just depends <laughs> on what time now, what period. Is this, what does this look like forming in the foreground right here Oh, it looks like the the orca. No, uh, it looks like the stature. Look, you maniacs! <laughs> oh, you right. blew it up! <laughs> right. Oh, damn you! Right. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah, produced. I by... thought of that today when I was watching it. The the this is one of those movies where it's just the perfect the the the, the creators of it. You know, Robert Altman, Jules Pfeiffer, and um and harry nielsen with the songs and then now, the did, cast did you know that this village still stands yes. today yes it does it's been under two i've done a little research i've even seen videos of it it's very disney-like now they've painted it in kind of bright colors but it's it, they built these houses they didn't just oh, yeah. fronts now the next time you come here we have got to figure out a way to beg, borrow, or steal you admission into Universal because over in Toon Lagoon, they have a whole Popeye section. And I don't know this for a fact, but I would speculate heavily that they based some of that on the look of this movie sure. because it just plain feels like it when you're over there. Because they have... Uh, they have uh, one ride called Bilge Rat Barges, which is essentially it's one of those family style, you know, it fits like six, eight people and you get in like a big inner tube thing and go down the rapids, mm -hmm. you know, and but it's awesome because it's all Popeye themed and they have a uh, they have Olive Ship or excuse me, Popeye's Ship, uh, the Olive 
which is like a kid's water play area. And they have this restaurant there. It's a Wimpy's. And I don't know if it's part of the chain of Wimpy's, Wimpy's restaurants or if it's just, you know, they named it that because, you know, it's the theming of that section. It's never, ever open. I want a Wimpy burger so bad and the place is never open to get one. But I'm going to take you there the next time. Uh, yeah. Because I think you'll really get a kick out of it. I like would like to go center. to Volta and walk yeah. around in the original yeah, no Popeye sets. Oh, my God. I mean... They bought they bought functional ships and sunk them. That's a real ship that they bought and sunk in that lagoon. They built a breakwater, <laughs> and I love that wild man. There's only two shots of the wild man who was a character in the in right. The, what was it? Thimble Theater comics. Well, see, the more I, I watched this, because not long ago, um, IDW Comics started publishing two Popeye series. They published one just called Popeye. And then they're publishing another one called Classic Popeye that's reprinting the old... I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's Thimble Theater or if it's Popeye Comics or what, but it's Classic Popeye stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been reading both as I can get my hands on them. Plus, they have been reprinting um, the Thimble Theater stuff in book form. And so whenever I can get a hold of that, uh, I'll read it too. By the way, I love this guy. Uh, Yeah. He was LBJ in The Right Stuff. Oh, yeah. Perfect and casting. He was, the, uh, he was the fictional president in Clear and Present Danger. Did you ever see that with no. Harrison Ford? Oh, damn good movie. Really, really good movie. But uh, I've been reading that stuff. And the more I read the classic Popeye, the more it gives me a real appreciation for this movie because... I think this is one of the great comics adaptations mm-hmm. that just doesn't get enough credit because people didn't know that I didn't know the characters. I mean, Every I read single character in this is from Thimble Theater. Yeah, you know, Mr. Giesel is spot on in this. So, you know, and Wimpy, I mean, come on. Well, those are the even the like you don't see their names till the credits at the end. But everybody running around is a character from, you know, they really did their research and that's why I think this this movie is very it's it, it can fool you in its simplicity. Right. right. It's you have some great like Robert Altman is he's a hit and miss director but he's one of the great minds in in filmmaking I think. I love his style. If anybody's ever seen MASH or The Player or any of McCabe and Mrs. Miller as movies he's a master of dialogue and and stuff. Right. This is a very different movie than he usually makes, and uh, and Jules Pfeiffer, you know, a cartoonist himself, but right. is also known as a as a writer, playwright, and very um, writer for Playboy. And now you only get a glimpse of him right there. He he's not really shown until later in the movie. But one of the tops right there is Dennis Franz. I think this is his first thing, if I'm not mistaken. This is Robert this Williams' woman, first thing, too. Yeah. This woman right here, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Her the name is Linda name. Hunt. This is her first movie as well. Yes, and she won an Oscar for playing, a, I think, a Vietnamese man. <laughs> a year of Living Dangerously. <laughs> no way, really. A male, yeah. Like That's Freedom funny. Fighter or some sort of character. Like very So convincingly, she won an Oscar for it. The part where she gets punched out later in the movie is one of my favorite movie moments ever. I love that. This is just, uh, I mean, and Jules Pfeiffer is just a very highly acclaimed 
and very intelligent writer. And then you got Harry Nielsen, who's known for writing really great songs. Like the Beatles were big admirers of him. Right. And so you have these like very sort of deep thinkers, but they're also whimsical and they know how to do simplicity. Mm-hmm. And they and th- I hate musicals, but I love this musical because it takes the approach instead of having everybody all of a sudden breaking out into being a great singer and dancer. It's just like the, that opening song of Sweet Haven. The whole town is yep. just like schlubbing along. And well, I, I love the music in this. And you know me. I've na- made no secret of hating musicals. I mean, there's really just a handful of them that I can even stand. This is one of them. I will find myself singing along with this damn movie when I watch it. I, I love it. Harry Nielsen's a great songwriter. And and he and like I said, like very much, he was drinking buddies with John Lennon. <laughs> And and very much like John Lennon, he knew how to do a sort of simple mm-hmm. child song that had many layers of meaning in it. And uh, that's what these songs are all, and they're all just really simple titles. <laughs> He's large. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, everything is food. It, it, do you remember just... uh, All of Me with Lily Tomlin and Steve Martin? Oh, yes. I saw that in the theater, too. The the guy the whatever he's Beck supposed to Bull. be the Swami or Beck and Bull that's him yeah yeah it's yeah. the same guy Edwina Beck and Bull Edwina Beck and Bull Beck and Bull yeah it's funny I I when I was a little kid I didn't know what Jewish people were except that they celebrated Hanukkah so I just thought he was supposed to be Italian <laughs> he was the Italian guy me down. This guy right here, I don't, I, I have no logical reason for this, but he, every time I see this movie, he reminds me of Christopher Reeve. Oh, he's like Christopher Reeve mixed with Christopher Lloyd. Right. So yeah. He's just a great rubber body physical actor. Yes. There's a wild man lurking in the background again back there a couple seconds ago. I love it. <laughs> I don't know what that character's name is, but I hear he's like a, a real character, you know, a, a figures into a lot of thimble theater which is funny because this movie when it came out a lot of the people who read thimble theater were old people and the it's so kiddie like that it's like a movie that was made to appeal to old people and really young people right and and you know the, the the but they were hoping for it to be a movie that it was like Star Wars or something that, you know, was this oh, yeah. Superman that was this huge. This is another maker. classic example of the movie that the studio had too high of expectations for. And because it didn't perform at those expectations, it was, it was labeled a flop. A flop. It and made that's, money. That's bullshit because this movie doubled its budget. Which is, isn't that the studio definition of success? Yes, and its budget was very big, too. So, it, mm-hmm. it, and it was famously so. It, it was, you know, it was um, a very troubled production. I mean, they flew all the wood in to make, to make this town out of, from the Netherlands. You know, yeah, this was a budget of $20 million at a time when movies didn't really get budgets like that. Yeah. And in the U.S., it returned almost 50 million, and overseas, the worldwide was 60 million. So I don't know how 
historically, this movie has gone down as a, as a bomb or a flop, and it, it really was not. What doesn't help is I've always been annoyed with, with Robin Williams. There's one of his famous concerts where he's talking about being a father. And he's talking about, you know, that it's wonderful now while his boy is little, you know, and doesn't talk back. But he says he imagines, you know, the one day when he's a teenager and they're having their fights and everything that he's going to throw certain things in his face. One of them being he says something like, uh, you know, he says something like, yeah, ah, Popeye wasn't good enough for it. And he's like, Pop, Popeye wasn't good for anybody or something like that. And, you know, he gets a big laugh out of it in the comedy thing. And I'm thinking. That's not funny, dude. He's Why a, are you ripping on Popeye? Because he's yeah, a comedian. But still. You know. But Popeye is great for me. I I consider this, I, you owe me an apology. Just I love awesome. it. No he care. reminds me of my grandpa Gardner so much. To These days, everybody has to give everybody a character arc in this stuff. And, the, and, and these guys appreciated and knew the fact that Thimble Theater had 8 million characters. All the characters were like one-note characters. Yep. And they, they have one little simple motivation, whether it be hamburgers or, or whatever. And he didn't have to develop arcs for anybody but Popeye, really. And Popeye really only needs a story arc because Popeye is what he is. Right. He's already, he's already the fully formed hero. He's just walked into a town full of, for a better word, assholes. Everybody in this town is obnoxious and (laughs) self-interested and self-absorbed. But it's also like... Look at the cobwebs on that bed. I didn't even notice that earlier. This is beautiful with with all the underwear shots there. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a little kid, you know, a little girl, you know. Although that scene with her by the window, she actually looks beautiful. And even though I find Shelley Duvall kind of weird and... Praying Mantis like oh, that I shot, impulsive. She, that shot, she looks like happy and natural and pretty. You know, just like a pretty woman. And that's a you say a, so. a great scene to get. And look at him walk. Oh <laughs> my god, just so awesome. <laughs> look at his. <laughs> He's awesome. This this scene is just sla- and. I, I'm just going to be raving throughout this whole thing. And it's so weird. It's shot in these weird, long, mid-shots, framed oddly. And this is this is what Robert... This is like something out of MASH, too, where overlapping dialogue. Yep. Every single person here has got their agenda. Mm-hmm. And you see it all just, like, wind-up toys. He puts them all against each other. You get... The the mom reminds me so much of that TV show Mama's Family. Yes, <laughs> he's got that Mama's Family thing going here. But well, you know, when when Burton's Batman came out or Disney's Dick Tracy, both of those movies got you know all these laudits for capturing the feel of of the comics, especially Dick Tracy, because Dick Tracy was a very stylized. Mm-hmm. movie that really went for the look of the old comic strips and it's always bothered me that this one's overlooked in that aspect that the colors could stand out a little bit more but where they have them stand out it really works because this is much like an, a, an old comic would be color you know the old comic strips 
the backgrounds were kind of inconsequential, yes. but the characters were, were garishly colored so that they would pop off of the page. And yes. that's just the way they are here. Look at uh, Wimpy, Olive, and Popeye in particular. Yeah, they, they, they did their homework. <laughs> oh, definitely. They show, they show a love for the, the original material, which is weird because the movie audience was not really familiar with the, with the original material. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was used to sort of okay when they put a movie to the big screen, making it big, this you know this big deal. This this one sort of seemed when I first saw it as a kid. When I first saw it as a kid, I wasn't in love with this movie. I liked it and I enjoyed watching it, but it wasn't that big a deal with me. It's only as I've grown older, yeah, and watched too. it more and more that I've just seen just. It's one of those movies where some movies like will tell you like you know racism's bad and okay, or they'll make you think oh you ne- you need to appreciate the people you have around you or something like that. I think this movie operates on a much deeper level. <laughs> this it's almost religious to me as the representation of like how life works. It's just split up. You know, all the personalities are split up amongst a million people that are all going at once with their simple little things and these these simple little songs that eventually describe you know the basic the basic situations of life. Right. And all within just a goofy comic book Phys- you know, physical comedy Rube Goldberg movie. I love. See what I mean? I'm ruining. I- I'd ruin it if you've never seen it before. Hey, <laughs> if you hate it, you're gonna be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" When, when when the when the Nielsen songs start getting slung out, that's when it really starts to to mesh with that. And uh, this scene here is really strange because okay when um when Bluto yells light lights out later on mm-hmm. pay attention to um the um the sound of the lights going off and i've always pictured the scene as a kid as um you know everybody turning their lights out but when you look at this all the, a lot of the lights that are going out are like just lights that are ba- they're film lights that are bathing the the houses in light. Right. And but not only that, they leave the sound in of the giant switches being thrown of film lights. That's right. the sound of what that's the sound of like what big circuit breakers sound like when you're shutting down a film set or something. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's because that's what it is. It's sort of a it's a film set. It's a little diorama where all the drama goes on mm-hmm. and Bluto's telling him the day is done. And Robert Altman is infamous for having sort of political ideas in his movies. He's like a lot of movies are, they're a lot about the little guy and the, you know, versus the rich guy or the guy on top. And this is no different, but I never saw it as that as much as I always thought of this movie since the, cartoons were depression era that right. this movie was almost like in the depression you know although it's 
really is this um, supposed to be set in america or whatever not you know whatever well it gives it a timeless quality that it's not you know that it doesn't really define it at all there you know pooped up pappy makes a a reference to the depression but the reference could could be at any time 40 years ago yeah right yeah but that's about it you know they they never reference anything really you know like the united states or a specific time this is one of my favorite things. Of this is my all favorite time. part of the entire movie because I love this song. This 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 love it. This particular sequence is like if I had to have a sequence that I carried around in a little locket with me that summed everything <laughs> up. And like I don't know which character he played, but Roughhouse was in Slapshot. Oh really? Mm-hmm. This I is... think he's the one that says. Uh, Something about back to the friggin' Chrysler mill or something when they find out they're all losing, you know, like the team is gonna, you know, like it's their last season. Let's I love go. this kitchen. I love this whole set. Everything is food. I love this. Now, the hillbilly guy, is he one of the uh, Daryls? From oh, or, you know the maybe. guy that I have to get a better look at him. Not oh, but the guy said this is my brother Daryl, my other brother. Yeah, is, yeah. What was his name? I don't I don't remember his name. His, I think that's who he is, but I I'm not sure. We'll get a look at him soon enough when he has his little banjo part. But the <laughs> the conductor guy who's up there, mm-hmm. that's Klaus Vorman, who was a Beatles buddy. Love he, that. He looked straight at the camera. Love it. And just that look, that just like, yep. Collect <laughs> there's the wild man staring in the window again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. He looks like our friend uh, Vargas Pike. <laughs> there's Hedge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I've, I've, there, there was a drunk in Rochester who used to sit in, in this. They would be drinking at like eight in the morning when I'd walk to work and he would have to do this, do the tie over the shoulder to, to get the drink to his mouth without shaking the liquid out of it. Everything is food. But that that thing, that gag of with the with the tie and the drink, that's something that's from the thirties. That's like mm-hmm. something people in the thirties would have been like, Oh yeah, you know, that's a drunk with the DTs trying to But if you notice, every single person is doing their thing. In right. single shot, there's a guy combing his hair in the background, like, perfectly. Everybody had their own little story. And when you start watching this movie over and over and hearing the overlapping dialogue, oh, my God, there's so much going on. Oh, and then there's, there's a wild man again. <laughs> He would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> there's a there, conductor. There's, he looks like he's straight out of Yellow Submarine. The well, con- well <laughs> he was played in the Plasticono band. Oh, maybe it, it's him. I don't know. It kind of looks like him, but it's hard to tell. You only ever get like two brief shots of him. But I love it. The se- That second shot when you get him, you actually can hear a banjo plucking along in the song. Yep. You know, every it's it's so oddly done. You know, there's no other movie that's shot like this and plays <laughs> in slapstick like this. This is another movie where, in a lot of sequences, the actors saying on set, 
So mm-hmm. for the soundtrack recording, it's not always the same as in the movie. Right. And then there's sequences you'll notice when Bluto's singing. Eh, I don't think maybe he was that good at lip syncing because you'll notice they right. blew yeah. his mouth out of it. Most oh, yeah. of the time. Speaking of, of soundtracks, I have an, the actual album of this, the record mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. And I've Ooh. long thought it's an absolute crime that food, food, food is not on that album. And what was it? There was another like really sappy song that they put Didn't on. We? Yeah, didn't we got cut from the movie, mm-hmm. whatever that sequence was. So the song is on the album in place of Food, 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 which actually is in the movie and is one of the greatest songs the best of all yet. time. Yeah. yeah, it's I love that song. I would argue that if there's one thing that even like the casual one-time watcher of this movie remembers, it's probably the food song because it's just a catchy little ditty, you know? But didn't make the album. I, I've never understood that. It's like I love this sequence. Oh yeah, where where they start picking on him. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a look he gets on his face mm-hmm. when he finally gets pissed, and it's a cross between "I'm pissed" and "I'm about to cry" that I really like. It's a it's a very real human emotion that shows on his face just before he kicks all their asses. I love it. This whole sequence also reminds me of like Mad Magazine. Oh yeah. (laughs) The one that's that's uh, taunting him the most there. That's uh, Dennis Franz, who I could be wrong. I don't remember seeing him in anything big again until he kind of had his breakout role in uh, Die Hard Two. That's got to be what damn near 20 years past this movie because that or not 20 years like 10 years because that was like what 1989 90 something like that die hard 2 yeah yeah had to be around there but that's him there the the one that's second from the the right (laughs) he's getting pissed but i love it your pappy is as ugly as you are (laughs) <laughs> look at this look on his face. <laughs> He's pissed. But that's what I mean. This, the, the, uh, everything is over the top, but at the same time, there's just a lot of subtlety mm-hmm. going on, too. I mean, Robert Williams is really acting. And I yeah, love... And hint to people who make Superman. Here's a character who doesn't go through a character development. He's virtuous from the very beginning. Yep. He's... Popeye's got his his thing. As a matter of fact, we'll find out later in a song all about it. And yep. and he never wavers from his character, not for a second. Yep. And still keeps it. <laughs> a little one-eyed rat once in a box. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> this is some great physical comedy too. You apologize? Just the way he melts right out <laughs> of the <laughs> <laughs> There's a wild man staring in the window again. Come on, dear, I think I think it's time to go. There's <laughs> <laughs> plunks his ass on top of the stove. <laughs> Not 
Now watch carefully. There's a scene later while Popeye's fighting these guys. He's actually dancing on top of the stove, like his feet keep like he's yeah. keep switching feet. It's hysterical. But I love it. You know, this isn't a big effects movie. It is, it, could you imagine what this would be today? This would have Matrix effects in it and stuff. This is just simple little gags. They are working on a effect. Popeye movie. Yeah. Um, I was just reading about that. I, you know, I don't know how to feel about that. I, they got a high bar to boxes his ears. <laughs> One of the most cruel things to do to people, too. You can totally. This is just some great, great physical acting yep. and sound combination of acting, editing, and sound effects. I can't so believe we haven't mentioned it till now, but the sound is also really good oh. in this. Cause... Layers and la- that's Robert Altman. Layers of dialogue, layers yep. of sound effects. Because the scene where he fights uh, Ox right there, that toot toot when he, yep. <laughs> he says thanks to the and like Bluto with with like animal noises as he eats. <laughs> every time you see him he's snorting and <laughs> I just realized that the counter is a ship. Did you notice that? Yeah, no, I've never, I never noticed, noticed that before. Now. It is. It's a. It's a it dinghy it's a boat, yeah. made into a made into a counter. That's actually really clever. I never noticed that before. I love that. That's there's cool. A guy cleaning up. <laughs> Sweeping. But yeah, the scene where Popeye uh, jumps into the ring. Listen to the like rubbery sounds that are put in. Like every time he jumps or flips mm-hmm. or something, there's this like like balloon kind of rubbery sound in the background that's really cool. <laughs> Lots of hookers in this movie. He reminds me of the the mayor from Nightmare Before Christmas for for some reason. The one that could switch his head around. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw that movie. But you see, I mean, little details like catering by <laughs> Roughhouse. And look, at, even from behind, he just looks pissed every second. Every muscle in his body is just, like, clenched. He reminds me of the brother from the um, those movies. The what, was, what the hell was it? Trinity is my name and my name is nobody. You know what I'm talking about? Those old spaghetti westerns yeah. with the brothers? I have no idea what it, what the guy's name was. I can't was. remember. They they paid tribute to those in um in the Django Unchained movie too. Oh really? Yeah, they had a very similar character to those brothers in that, and one that looked just like him. <laughs> Even the preacher scowling at him. <laughs> yeah, everybody in this town is just a jerk, man. They're just, and they and Popeye is the nicest, most positive person. Ever and ever, even her stole is hissing at him. <laughs> um, Altman did another movie called "There's a Conductor Again." Did another movie called "McCabe and Mrs. Miller" that that has a lot of parallels to Popeye in it, but it's a serious movie with Warren Beatty in it, western. But it almost has the same beginning of like, instead of coming in on a dinghy, he's riding into town, into this. Old dilapidated. <laughs> That's a classic R face. <laughs> and I love and the minute he walks out of the room, they're all talking shit about him behind <laughs> his back too. 
I love that you have Oxblood Oxheart and his mom always yep. sort of hanging out in the background, you know. Yeah. You'd never notice it the first time through. You know, there's I mean this movie that's another thing about this movie is it bears up to repeated, repeated viewing. Oh, yeah. And and improves with with repeated viewings. It reminds me a lot of Mad Magazine, the Firesign Theater, um, all kinds of stuff. I love this. They keep showing Olive like in her underwear, <laughs> and it's so like non-sexualized. It's, it's like a little girl, she's... you know. It's like a little girl playing dress up like a gangly right. kid. And this song is filthy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Large. It's it's great. It says so many things. It says, this guy Bluto has... She's trying to think of one positive thing to say about him. He's large. But she doesn't really value the money part. But the girls are... You know, he'll say he's rich or whatever. And And... That's the only quality of Bluto that she can come up with that's somewhat positive. And, and when he gets his song, he just says, I'm mean. <laughs> right? And that's his defining character. When you get to Popeye, Popeye is what he is. Not a man oh, no. Now, if I don't know if they put it on like the CD or a reissue or something, but floating around on the internets are the demos of all these songs by Harry Nielsen. Right. And they are priceless. Not that they're not well sung in this, but these people are not like professional singers. So it's it's charming in the movie and, and it's in character. So it works really well. But some of the more um, uh, <laughs> sentimental, it just drops it. Sentimental oh, songs. That guy smacks his face too really are really sweet when Harry Nielsen sings them because he has a be beautiful singing voice. Mother. <laughs> Did you see cr a roughhouse crashed out in the chair? Just, yeah. Sound asleep over there. That was funny. Have you ever read any of the comics at all? No, I'd love to. I would. They are. I, I love the classic stuff. Anybody? Because some of it is damn raunchy. It, I was right. surprised by the raunchy nature of it. No, it was. They, they were comics made for. They were. Weird as it is, they were comics made for adults. They were in the yep. newspaper, and adults would read them. You know, and and I, Popeye was one of the ones where kids could read it, but they probably skipped over it like we used to skip over like Prince Valiant, or I did anyway. Right. Read the funny, the funny stuff. Although Popeye is funny stuff, it's probably was more like Doonesbury in those days, where it's like, okay, I know this is funny, but I'm not gonna get it. Right. So I would have never read it as a kid, probably. There was one I was reading where Poop Deck Pappy is 99 years old, right? And he basically decides he needs to get him a little. Uh-huh. So he realizes that if he shaves off his beard, that he and Popeye are dead ringers for each other. So he shaves off his beard look so that he that. can... Sorry to interrupt, but look oh, at yeah. that physical comedy. Oh, I love it. So he even says, I'm going to shave off me beard... So I can go make love to Olive. And that's, that's oh exactly God. what it says in the strip. I'm like, what the hell year was this published? And it was, you know, like in the 20s or 30s or something. Yeah, where people I'm were like, still making love to each other. So, yeah. Right. 
And that that was his whole that was the plot of that particular strip. Well, as like, we remember with the comics code and stuff, there was a time where things were a little raunchy. It could be a little more adult than they were, and you know, then we we hit a point where we backed down. You know, the comics code era was about that time. You know, so yeah, there. I mean, there were movies with nudity in the '30s too. <laughs> it was still a big deal, but. Castor reminds me of my friend Mark so much, it's not even funny. He'd probably be insulted to hear me say that, but he really does. He's a great character, though, too. He's... He, and they're all, everybody's such great physical... I mean, look at that old guy, the old sea captain guy there with the right. beard in the background. What's his story? He looks like Captain Morton. Look at him. He's so, like, well-lit and made up. And there he is just standing in the background. Every one of these people has a, has a name. And if you read Thimble Theater, you, you, you might know who they are. She's lucky she didn't break her neck climbing down that ladder with all that crap in her arms. <laughs> I love the sound. Every time they cut to to Bluto, there's some animal it's like sound. A bull, it's like Chewbacca, where they mix two animals to get you know a bull and a and a angry like boar He's got or something flies buzzing, buzzing around him. <laughs> and everybody's filthy too. Which yeah, I love. everything Their clothes in are all filthy. ratty and shitty. Yeah, it's great. They're all just being bled dry by the Commodore, you know, in the taxman constantly, so everybody's poor. Oh, one of my favorite lines right here. You scared the wits out of me, says almost knocked him out of you, too. <laughs> I often wonder how much, of, like, Popeye's lines were Robin Williams' lines. That there, There's obvious points in this movie, and this is another Robin... Robin Williams, Robin Williams, and Robert Altman trademark of improvisation, where the actors will do something, or he'll just put them down, and have them, you know, just go into town and let the film roll and save it. There's scenes, there's scenes in here that might not even have been takes, but that it was just like get the camera rolling, get the camera rolling, and to capture this moment that that made it into this film. And I love stuff like that. The whole scene where uh, where they find Sweet, Sweet Pea. Pea, that entire thing, you can tell that That's that Robin was Williams doofing around with a baby. Right. Yeah. This reminds me. T- yesterday, it's so funny, or maybe it was earlier today. I found one of my favorite Little Rascals cartoons, and this reminds me of Little Rascals too. It's called Free Eats, and it's the one where Spanky was just barely able to talk. And they had a and and it was the one with the two midgets that were posing as little kids and were at the rich people party and were stealing all the jewels and Alfalfa's the only one who knows that they're fidgets he calls them fidgets, them ain't babies they fidgets they could talk, and um. <laughs> there's a scene in that one, with um, just his eyes are just I know awesome. that unibrow is classic. Look at the rubber that guy in the background. Just look at the little changes on his face. It's it's brilliant. But um, there's a scene in that with Spanky as a little kid, and he's playing with a monkey and talking to it, and the monkey's screwing with his hair and stuff. And you can tell that it was just on the set. 
and Spanky and the monkey, they put them together and let the camera roll. And it's, you know, some of the funniest stuff in the world. And there's, yeah, we're going to have some of it coming up. Some of that coming up here. That bird is bizarre, man. That's like that's like something off a of Disneyland set. Well, it's it's fake, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it's a fake bird. I'm looking for me, Pam. Well, if that's true, then where is he? Well, just born to play olive oil. I don't really know why. I mean, I remember like seeing Siskel and Ebert going nuts with this, and seeing the first pictures, and. Seeing those forearms on Robin Williams and just going, oh my god, how. <laughs> She's like, let's go. Take that out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that guy. Now he's got a. <laughs> he's like, mmm, yum. <laughs> Was that the wild man coming in in the yep. background, too? Oh, he's my god. In he's all over the place in this. So much going on in this movie. Scott Rifen. How can what do you not like about this? What is there not to like, man? I'm it's just fun. It's fun. It's sublime. It's everything. It's life and love and loss and finding your pappy. Now is that supposed to be the sea hag, do you think? Switching switching the baskets there. Man, I would have loved to see the sea hag in this. Where are the goons? <laughs> Goon. <laughs> the goons would be the three guys from Slapshot. <laughs> brothers. Goons. They already got one of them, uh, one hockey goon in here already. What are you doing with that basket? Well, I'm, I'm carrying it. <laughs> Your basket, ain't it? It is not my basket. Somebody I would love to know, like, what movie have I quoted the most in my lifetime? This, this has got to be a top, like, top three contender, because I'm always quoting this movie. Sounds like some kind of lubricants. <laughs> my favorites. Got a room for rank. Oh, you and I were just terrible with it. I remember, like, in the songs, too. I remember, I remember just, well, you know, it's hard to say who was tantalizing who. But we got your sister. Your sister would be crying, and you would just, like, look at her deadpan and be like, Oh, don't you cry, little sweet pea. <laughs> <laughs> Which would make her cry worse. Here's the only real character development in the whole movie is olive oil softens up once sweet pea shows up. But this kid, man, I cannot say enough. Scott Rifen, look at that kid, man. You are gazing upon one of the great kid actors. In a boy and his dog has the greatest dog actor of all time. I, I say Robert Altman's grandson here is the greatest kid actor. Oh, is that his grandson? It's his grandson. He's a doctor now. He doesn't remember any of this. I love that where he goes, baby, and he goes, yeah, that's right, you're a baby. Total Robin Williams improv. Yep. But you could tell everybody on the set, all these actors were really good with... Look at that kid's face! You know me. I'm not a big baby fan at all. You know, I'll chuck... Oh, he's adorable. This <laughs> he kid, snags the note back. This kid is acting. Look at him. He looks at the... Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I do this when I watch a boy and his dog, too. I watch that dog and go, oh, my God, what... I love that. 
The friggin' wall shakes so hard it, like, rattles the window frame right out. The only visual gag they didn't do is have everybody's hair, like, blown back. <laughs> the dust and that chair. <laughs> this song is ridiculous, when he, when but I still love it. He does the gopher dance from Caddyshack. <laughs> That? No, no, here we come. Here it is. That's all it is. It's just that sort of shoulders and moving your arms sing real mellow. There it is. It's the gopher from Caddyshack. Dancing to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> but you notice from this point on, they really make pains to make sure you don't see his mouth at all. <laughs> This part, I don't know why, this makes him sound horrible, but this reminds me of my old man when he would really go on a tear. Or on a bender, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, they usually go hand in hand. <laughs> this takes out the entire house. Well, you remember our neighbor Don from downstairs? Did you yep. live with us when he did that to his apartment? He basically pulled. No, I heard. Of, he pulled, I heard about it. But he pulled no, Pluto. I was gone by that point. I think there were chairs going out the window and everything. He was more charming than I, I love all this, and then they're just like, "Oh well, let's go on." Is this whole town are a bunch of jerks? And this this is the <laughs> pirate. Just hanging out there. Another one of my favorite little moments coming up here where uh, where Bluto sees red. Oh, yeah. Everything is red. I mean, that's just wild that they took the time to, to do that entire scene in the same exact color for everything. You know, mm -hmm. the building mm -hmm. behind them is even red. It's yeah, cool. they didn't just put a red filter on it, so when he sees red, they still have their skin and everything. They just put all the clothes in. I mean... Right. And the sound of frying <laughs> eggs or bacon or whatever yeah. that is. So. This is to an extreme close-up. <laughs> that unibrow is awesome. I like that he's just like, oh, take the baby. I love the what Popeye. Was that guy's name? guys name was, it was like Terrence something, wasn't it? Who is it? Terrence Hill, was that his name? The the big guy I'm trying to think of from those. Because I know it's not him, but that's who he reminds me of. This guy, I can't remember his name, but it's... it's oh, this guy is Paul, is it like Paul Smith Paul or Smith, something? yeah. I was just going to say, it's the same name as a comic <laughs> book artist. <laughs> Here comes some of the cheesiest Breaks effects the ever that I still love. Oh, I love that! Yeah, I love it because it's cheesy. I didn't like them when I'm a kid. When I was a kid, but now that I watch it, this this, this one's just funny. This is just in it because it's a it's a cartoon like yeah, that right there. Is that cool. is just when I was a kid. I'm like that's cheesy, but it's very well cut. That I love that cut from the. I love dummies to real people cuts. And There's I, a real that one's cheesy, but the one coming up where he drills into, into and through the, the deck, that one's actually really good because the cut is what makes it convincing. 
Yeah, I guess a lot of the people who play <laughs> look at his coat's all just ripped, torn from just flexing his muscles. Yep. Right here. Look at that. Just the way it's cut. That's brilliant. It's cut just right between the real Robin Williams and the dummy that it's it's perfectly convincing. I love that. And I love that that's a great pop that's an, another defining Popeye moment there is where you know, he doesn't blame Bluto for beating him up right. because he would have made the same assumption and he truly doesn't. He's not holding he's not holding a grudge. It's it, it, I don't think other people who make Popeye movies will ever will ever get that as well as I mean I don't see why you should ever make another Popeye movie because how are you gonna top the amount of <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines this is extremely grave news please pay attention <laughs> Aw. He reminds me of my grandfather watching the Benny Goodman story or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Even carrying off the fake plant. One sunflower embarrassing the tax man tax. I mean, she just looks like olive oil. Yep. When, when one of the when the boys were young, I used to say this all. <laughs> My son's gonna be a man and think, not a baby and think. I used to say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, your wife was loving that, huh? I oh yes, that really charming. <laughs> Look at that scene. They just there's a there's a certain confidence with a filmmaker to just sort of back off on scenes, mm -hmm. and and with with this one you would think you would sort of be framed. It's not framed like a modern modern comic books. <laughs> he looks like that freaky looking guy from. Uh... That was in Night of the Living Dead and yes. uh, or, uh, Plan well, 9 from Outer Space. George Johnson. Yeah. But it's funny because I always, when I thought of this movie, I always thought of Oxblood, Oxheart, and his mom as being like this traveling pair, you know? Right, yeah. But Because right here it gives the impression that they the, just come sailing into town. town. They've been but there the whole time. If you've seen them in the background the whole time, and they probably just went down the street and got their, their you know, boxing ring. Well, see, this is another thing that, that if you're familiar with the strips, which, again, I wasn't as a kid. I am now. But it's a series of vignettes loosely strung together to make one movie. And that's pretty much... I mean, because the... That's pretty much That's what the, the thing stories with were, right? The, the, the comics and such is that you kind of have to do it in small doses because there's not an ongoing narrative. It's literally strips. It's like one page is pretty much one strip, one story. And then you turn the page and it's something... So it's like reading, you know, a collection of Blondie, you know? Right, right. 
and and that's or, or like a collection of peanuts because you're not going to get a story necessarily. You're getting strips, and and, and it was the same was, way with this. Was also like an ancillary character too. At first, At first yeah, but it was know, so popular that yeah, he just know. took right over, yeah. And I guess E.C. Sager was really into doing him, too, so it was just a natural, you know, that he right. took over. Geasel's easel. But, yeah, the more you watch it, you start piecing together what everybody does in the town, mm-hmm. what everybody's role is, and then you start realizing, oh, my God, everybody, there's, you know, rough houses in the background taking food for this, too. Yeah, there's so much stuff going on that every time I watch it, I, I pick out something new that's happening in the background or something. Great use of sound through this yep. entire sequence. Lots of springs. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she goes, get in there and get your brother out of there. She goes, what are you, a nut? <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, look at that baby once again. The baby's just like smiling from ear to ear. (laughs) There used to be a like ultimate fighter or something called uh, Butterbean that this guy looks like too. There was another line I used to use all the time. First first man who's dead loses. She looks like a Manchichi. Wasn't she the barmaid in uh, Silverado? I haven't seen Silverado in so long. I haven't, I've only ever seen it once or twice. Is another I... Lawrence Kasdan script, I think? Is it? I think so. I need to see it again, because I saw it once and didn't think all that much of it, but everybody loves that movie, so I need to watch it again someday. I, well, I remember seeing it, and I was it's very such... doubtful of it, and I remember liking it a lot. I remember liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to. It's a good soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. That was a drum. <laughs> he did when he hit him in the yep, gut. Kettle drum, like, yep. <laughs> it's like the Star Wars movie now that I watch this. I, I spend my time watching the edges of the screen right. rather than the main action. Beckenball? Beckenball. <laughs> You're a bum. I'll teach you how to fight. <laughs> Kicks him right in the ass. <laughs> she comes running out. <laughs> I love that. Right, right there. Did you hear that sound? It's, I love it. It's like boring. It's <laughs> just been amazing to watch Robin Williams walking around the set as Popeye during this time. Oh, yes. And it was probably during Robin Williams's early Coke days, so he was probably just on high. Ga- this, the producer Robert Ev- Evans was like almost would come to was sending so much money to Altman and would getting so mad he'd come in like they'd almost get in fist fights see again with that rubbery sound <laughs> and Olive's going oh poor little fatherless baby 
But yeah, the producer Robert Evans was he was a character. He's he gotten like I don't know if he ever got officially put away, but he was in mur- there were like murder investigations he was involved really? with and cocaine deals and he's just like <laughs> this crazy Hollywood story. And he just wanted to kill Robert Altman for spending all this money. <laughs> so what? <laughs> right in the back of the neck. I like the look on her face. She's just like, yeah. You don't bust me, kill you. Listen to that sound when he swings. It's going whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> I this love is just beautifully sound. choreographed. Woof, woof, woof. He's gonna do for right here. That baby is just un. My God. Boom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he hits him in the balls. I was watching this earlier today, and it reminds me of. Uh, that look on his face is priceless. It reminds me of the first X-Men movie where the guy tells him not to hit Wolverine in the balls, so he immediately kicks him in the balls, and then he gets pissed and takes the guy out. It's the same thing. I love the sound that, like, it's still vibrating in him. And that's a classic Popeye move. Oh, Yeah. Pop, uh, Wimpy doing in the ring. He just gets in the middle of everything in case he can get something. You know, look at that baby! Oh my <laughs> god, what a good actor that baby is. Ah, oh, Scott Rifon, what is the matter with you? Do you hate babies? <laughs> he eats babies. Ah, oh, stop eating babies and start watching Popeye, man. Looking out the door with a squinky eye. I really shouldn't say that because I think he stopped eating babies, actually. Did he? Well, for now. <laughs> I never believe anybody when they say they stop eating babies. <laughs> it just means I haven't gotten at any babies lately. They're like, they're like them dogs that get in the chicken coop and eat the eggs and become egg suckers. Kid even looks like him a little bit, which is funny. The kid almost looks like Sweet Pea sometimes. Not really here. Not it looks like a real baby. But there's another scene later on when he when they start do when when they start doing the whistling when he starts doing his right yeah. Like and it's great because Sweet Pea, Sweet Pea eventually would like had dialogue and stuff. But Sweet Pea was always, you know, portrayed as being like this intelligent baby. <laughs> and and as is this baby. This baby's... <laughs> I need to see if there's like any sort of special editions out there. I wonder if this has been put out on Blu-ray with like any bonus features or anything. I don't know. I'd love to hear who they could 
put together for a commentary tra- like you know a commentary track of the film i would love to hear one with altman and like pfeiffer in it pfeiffer's like oh he's dead now isn't he no i just saw a video of him talking he's like 80 or 90 or i think he's jules like, pfeiffer jules oh, pfeiffer was like long 80, dead he's like 80 years old no he did like a ted talk type thing one of those like videos of like great thinkers or something i was researching huh. i was trying to find something of him talking about popeye and i couldn't find anything anywhere but yeah he's 80 some years old but i'll tell you what he doesn't look like he's 80 some years old and he doesn't have that slowness of speech and right. that that you know really old people have you can tell he's sharp he's he's probably fit not physically at a hundred percent but mentally he's at a hundred percent yeah uh, surprising altman's dead <laughs> altman died hmm. a few years ago it's a shame yeah i don't think Alt- i think altman was a bit younger than but he was probably still in his 70s see i just don't know that there's enough uh there's enough interest out there because you know, sometimes movies like this become cult classics. I don't know if this one really is. I'm not sure I what the current one. standing of this movie is. I hear this There was one. a Statue of Liberty in the background there a second ago, so that kind of gave it. See it right there on the wall? Yeah. I think this movie has gotten. When, when uh, I'm doing a lot of reading on this, there was a, sh- a good share of people who were you know just ragging on it you know doing like there were a lot of dumb internet rant pages where they're like let me tell you what a piece of shit this movie is blah 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 and it's like ah this person just came into it looking to write their blog thing but for the most part most of the articles were about how this movie was considered a flop look at that kid what an act oh my god oh my god just the shots where they get him to whistle. He, it's not even a pursed lip. He just sort of like, Urgh. sorry, but um, it was mostly about how this movie is underappreciated and it's a lot better than people give it the reputation for. And I got the impression that like Turner Broadcasting and a couple channels on cable really played the hell out, like played the hell out of it. Right. So. You know, there might be a lot of there might be a generation of kids who've seen this movie or younger people who've seen this movie who don't even know that it was a flop when it came out or you know or was considered a flop or was right. you know critically half and half. I remember Siskel and Ebert liking it. Mm-hmm. Everybody was of I don't remember it getting panned as much as everybody saying this movie is really weird and it kind of loses its steam at the end. That was pretty much what I remember hearing about about this back in the day and that and that robin williams and shelly duvall were born to play their parts especially shelly duvall everybody was like shelly duvall was born to play olive oil born to play olive oil paul dooley born to play wimpy he is um, he's one of my favorite character actors anyway ever since uh breaking away since i saw him in that movie but oh my god every little action and facial expression he has is perfect <laughs> you don't want to carry him for a walk. Oh, leave him be here. Uncle Wimp's coming this week. 
He's just like, come along, kid. This is one of those few scenes here where, where she's somewhat feminine to me. Maybe just because you're seeing her from the neck up. I'd make out with her if she was doing this to me, if, if she was playing this little game with me. This is a great scene, though, the whole fu- yeah, it is. This fooey scene. They're really, wor- I mean, they're just working really hard to see how close they can get. Right. And he's just, he's just great. Yeah, I like that. And he scene. gets a kiss anyway. It's great. But he doesn't. Uh, it's great. <laughs> I love this boat, too. This boat gets a lot of play in the next few oh, yeah. scenes. I love it. Little gondola. It's, it's almost like one of those junks or whatever they call them. You know, the... It's the fancy boat out to the Hoor House. <laughs> another thing a movie with kids with we're gonna see quite a few we've seen we've already seen a few hookers but they've been like dressed up in in like going around with the politicians this one we'll see them lounging around in the house of ill repute repukes repukes <laughs> exactly <laughs> I like the scene here where Castro goes, Oh, Mom would kill me if she caught me in a place like this. There's Mom. (laughs) (laughs) He just looks scared to death. It's great. Well, he's already got a black eye, too, and he's got the... the And he's got, like, a big old welt on the top of his head. (laughs) Yeah, that's just an evil-looking welt, too. I love this now. When I was a kid, I thought it was so stupid that their races were like this weird little contraption thing. I'm like, that's stupid. That could be so easily rigged. Right. Which mean, which meant I didn't 100% get how to appreciate this movie. See, Scott Rifon, if you just got it, you would like this movie. But obviously, you don't get it. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that <laughs> noogie, man. That egg on there. Mr. Ed. We had a neighbor named Steve Liu, and he had a big lump on his head, you know, from, it wasn't like from getting hit on the head. He always had the lump on his head. (laughs) It's a tumor. And I remember this guy talking about, he's like, your neighbor. And I'm like, which neighbor? He's like, the Asian guy with the noogie on his head. (laughs) Oh, Steve Liu. (laughs) The noogie. (laughs) <laughs> swimming around in the background in the water. There's somebody like splashing around in the water in the back. I didn't see that. And like uh, two shots back. And and Sweepy, look at Sweepy's like loving it, but it maybe on the edge of crying at the same time. It's right. <laughs> I mean, even there's people even like they're in an opium stupor or something. What is right. she doing? Is she staring at like a lamp or is that supposed to be some sort of drug? It looks like a bedpan or something. Yeah. I don't know what Doesn't that look was. Like any drug. I like this newspaper up, Dad. <laughs> He's still paper. trying to look. <laughs> but it's he's got 
The cat's <laughs> old-fashioned. It's another joke from like the 30s where like you got beat about the head. You put that like you tied a piece of cloth around your head like that for some right. reason. I love this. I've been following you the whole time. But they don't have dollars. They have simoleons. <laughs> I'm disgusted with you. <laughs> Look at the switch in his facial expressions from Sweet Pea to, to Wimpy. Right. And then, and then right back to Sweet Pea. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to bust you right in the mush. I love, and you think about this. Robin Williams was probably like 28 years old or something right. when this movie is amazing. <laughs> There's ox blood. His mother sent him to the whorehouse to recuperate. Apparently, he's got a he's got a cloth tied around his head too. Or is that a hat? <laughs> I love this. Everybody's just so, so morally corrupt. They're just like, oh. <laughs> and here comes my second favorite song in the, in the whole movie. <laughs> Where am I, a barnacle in the dinghy of life? I love that line. Some ugly, ugly hoes right there. The Nielsen demo version of this is priceless too. He sings it kind of in a Popeye voice, and it's really <laughs> does he? Yeah, it's it's really awesome. <laughs> the fat one's blowing on him. Did you see that? That was funny. He just flings them all off. Lyrics that are simple to the point of almost being stupid. Mm-hmm. But they're, it, it rides that line to where they become sublime. And it 1,000% defines his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... I, I don't think this movie has ever really gotten its its proper due. Well, hopefully my overcompensation of loving it so much will... <laughs> Hope it doesn't drive people the other way. But yeah, this this is just... It's a masterpiece. And maybe it was because I was also... I, I was also watching Altman's films at this time. I remember watching M.A.S.H. many times because I was in the stage play of it. And I'd been a big fan of the TV show and found the movie a completely different movie. You know, the TV show was vaguely political, but it was it was like comedy, but it always had some sort of lesson in it. Not political, but moral, you know? It had some sort of right. moral lesson, or a character learned something, or characters that hated each other slowly wore each other down and became friends. Whereas the movie was basically like Animal House in Korea, <laughs> you know, it was basically that it was just like they're troublemakers and this is them causing havoc in between bloody, you know, rows of patching people up. 
Uh, that's got to be the scariest sight in Sweet Haven. Is <laughs> Bluto motioning for? I love this shot of him. It looks like he's coming up an escalator. Just great, <laughs> great physical acting by everybody. And I love how like they crossed out the S on rooms, and then crossed out the room when they when that one room went. I love it. Mr. I. I love it. Look at Bl- Wimpy in the in Olive framed in the window. It's almost like a diorama or a comic book. <laughs> the only character arc for the dad from You Owe Me to Apology, an apology to I Think We Owe Him an Apology. Those shoes. Jesus. Everybody's got them, too. Yeah. You moved out of the oil? Did you ever see Brazil? This guy could have been in the movie Brazil. The Pelicans brung him. I love that one. <laughs> I love it. Popeye. That is a huge splash sound that they dubbed in there, too. There's like a water cannon going off. Popeye spurs the rebellion. And all the town freaks turn out. Well, I love how everybody is talking behind his back. Now Popeye's everybody's buddy now. Yep, there he goes up on the shoulders. the hell did the confetti come from out of nowhere? <laughs> Even Oxblood's, like, celebrating. There's a reporter. It's nice use of music right here in the scene cut. I like that. But I guess in the comics, Wimpy's character was like super intelligent and schemy. Oh, and, all the time. And was often basically just the instigator of everything that ever happens, you know, in yep. stories. Basically, yep. he's just he's just trying to benefit from every situation. Yep. Constant schemer. The Rocky scene. <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> The wheel just slowly goes back and forth. One gear just like slowly turning. I love it. I um, I didn't get it in time for this show, unfortunately. But I just theoretically, as long as eBay comes through have completed my they're not photo novels 
I can't remember what they're called. But they're they're like photo novels. Except the frames are all just basically a clip of the, the you know, the seventy millimeter movie frame laid out in like four panels on each page and their trade size. And they made one of Alien the movie. They made one of Outland, which I still haven't got. That's the most expensive and hard to find of one. And they made one for Popeye. And I recently found it really cheap on on eBay. I bought it from a Goodwill store somewhere huh. for like $4 and like $2 postage. So that'll, that'll be coming. I wonder if there's a novelization for this. That would be really interesting to see what the novelization would be like you know how it was written how they conveyed this story in book form it could be you know in in the right hands it could be really well done there was a uh i would think almost with the size of this production that they would have commissioned one you know yeah but I've never seen one that I know of. If I've actually, if I would have seen one, I'm sure, like at a garage sale, I would have glommed it up. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a storybook. Yeah, I think so. Thing to it too. There was a comic. I'm not sure if it was just a one shot or if there were there were more issues. But I know I I have one or. I'm trying to remember if it was one comic from one company and one from another if it was a two-ish i can't remember but there was a a comic that i got this is probably like mid to late 80s and it was one of those indie companies that popped up in the 80s you know put out a few things and then just kind of disappeared i can't even remember what the name of the company was now there's something with c in it i think like seagate or something like that and they did an origin issue of Popeye, excuse me, of Popeye. Not related to the movie or anything, but uh, it was really neat because it, it read pretty much on its own. Huh. But what was really cool, what caught my eye and made me buy it was that the cover picture, you know, the art for one was really, really good because it was not traditional Popeye style art, you know, like Thimble Theater art. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, like indie comics art, but it looked really good. But Popeye, as he was drawn in that series, looked a hell of a lot like Robin Williams' Popeye. I need to dig that out and read it again one of these days, because I can't remember if it was any good or not. I just remember thinking that the art was really good. I know it's in there sucking his thumb. his thumb. That's beautiful. And then he belches. Still with the animal <laughs> sounds, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's he does. all he, like he is. Big... He's just pure animal. Basically, what do we see him doing in this? Beating people up and eating food. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And if he'd gotten his way, he'd be having sex with Olive. But he's probably it's probably he's probably just at the at the house of ill repute the rest of the time. <laughs> he used to sing this song all the time. Just to tantalize your sister. Well, we used to sing. Mm-hmm. This was another thing that we used to make fun of. I like this song now. Yeah, I, I used do to too. hate the olive oil song that we just talked over. Oh yes, I still do. I I don't like that one. It's I. It's another one where it's so simple that it's just when you start thinking about it and thinking about Olive's character, 
it's it's kind of strange because usually when you're singing the song, you would, she would be singing about her needing him, you know. It's just a very interesting. I I think Nielsen really nailed, you know, just all the characters. <laughs> See now now being a dad, this this scene has a, has a completely different you know meaning and a, a completely different feel for me i actually really like this scene not, a lot it's, it's kind of sad digress i gotta i i keep forgetting to ask this girl at work she just recently had a baby and she named him logan and, ah. and i want to find out if it's if it's a wolf because everybody at work are they're kind of comic booky fans at least movie comic book movie fans so they're like x-men and batman fans so i'm i'm wondering if the kid's named after wolverine or if she's really cool and like you, it's named after Logan's Run. <laughs> or it's like a grandfather or something like that, you know. Right. <laughs> I like this scene. I like the music in this scene. Yeah. Well, if you start, I've been listening to a lot of Nielsen's music and you can really hear his style in all the way the lyrics are and all the music. And so he did that. He did that. Can't live. Living is without you. He did that song. Yeah, he did. Um, I didn't know that. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Ha 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 ha. He's he's a weird artist. Where his first album came out, and the Beatles declared him their like favorite artist. But he wasn't a live performer. He didn't go on tour. He was completely in the studio. I don't know if he had stage fright or just didn't like it or wanted to only do that. But he was like, no, he wrote a lot of songs. He wrote, uh, one is, I think, one is the loneliest number for Three Dog Night. Hmm. And he did a great version of You Can't Do That by the Beatles, which was my hint on Facebook as to what this movie would be. I've been putting up a lot of Nielsen songs, seeing if anybody would pick up on it, but not yet. <laughs> oh, the fun is about to begin. <laughs> Some more of my favorite stuff in the whole world. He was great as Poop Deck Pappy. He was a great actor. Anyway. Oh, he's great in everything from My Favorite Marsh. I love the, I love the, look at that baby. Oh, my God. Won't even eat the spinach when they need him not to eat the spinach. So awesome. Maybe they put a green-colored dog turd in the spoon or something. Although babies would probably eat that, though, you know? That's the thing is babies will usually eat things. Look at him. Oh, my God. He is... He is actually he is that picture we took of me at uh, <laughs> at the pool at uh, at the condo at Star Wars celebration where where I didn't have my glasses on I squinted up my eyes. And I hate the present, especially you. All these years I've been loyal me. 
that that shot of Wimpy is the most wimpiest wimpy looking like comic looking wimpy in the whole movie. That shot of him just looks right off the comic screen. It's another line I used to use all the time. All these years I've been loyal mean. <laughs> I love that line. Did you ever sing, sing the kids song to your kids once they started getting old enough to be disobedient? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love the kids song. It's so cynical. It's just like... Alright, this song this, is kind of stupid. I love this song too. Really? Oh yeah. I don't like this one. I live this song. It's hard to be me too. <laughs> Even hard to be in large. <laughs> I, lo- I, 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 yeah, I love this song. <laughs> I've known quite a few sort of grumpy people like this too, and their mantra was always, "It's not easy being me." <laughs> I mean, he looks like the cartoon Wimpy. His tie's even, like, screwed up. <laughs> this baby's just like... Look at... Look at the, just the way he's looking. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. They always the get some... looking like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah, like a real baby would. Because he's a real baby instead of some weird, like, trained kid. Like, like, the, tra- like the dog in... A boy and his dog was trained differently than other dogs, so it looked at whoever the actor was that was talking, and all of a sudden the dog became realistic. I mean, that kid must have been... uh, How entertaining for a little kid on a set to have people singing and dancing in front of him and acting out, you know, these cartoonish characters. It must have been like Disneyland. (laughs) A weird adult Disneyland. Look at how complex that set is. I mean, they built this whole thing and it looks like it's been there for 50 years or longer. You know, it's the perfect dilapidated, dirty... Very Star Wars like, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Very lived in. Yes. She must have just been exercising her neck for this. There ain't no Ain't no dead bracelet treasure. Listen close. Can you read me the old goatsberry treasure? Don't tell him. (laughs) (laughs) And that shot and that cut from his face to Robin Williams' face making the exact same face. I mean, they could really be father and son. Oh, yeah. And you never know in Hollywood, though. This is funny. This scene here is. Uh, you watch it with the volume turned up. You can hear every single one of them comes up with an excuse why they can't. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Kick him in the butt! Yeah, they all come up with a reason why they can't go along with him. And you could totally see this in the comic book style of. Oh yeah. You know, in in the comic, how they would have portrayed that scene. I mean, it's not enough that Paul Dooley looks like Wimpy, but it looks like they stuffed, like, the front of his pants. Right. To make him look even more lumpy and weird. <laughs> now, pretty soon we're going to see the point of the... Around this time in the filming, this is when the producer was starting to get, you know, mad and got flown in to start, you know, being like, all right, we've been pumping money into this goddamn thing. What are you guys doing here? Right. And, you know, fist, you know, whatever story you, you, you believe or not, there were fist fights or close to fist fights. And the money got cut off. Yep. You, can st- you can see the point in this movie where the budget got slashed. <laughs> Where all of a sudden at the end they said, well, <laughs> let's get this thing finished up. Oh, my God. That's cool. How many Mirroring times... each other. I know. How many times have we gone through this little dialogue when we were kids <laughs> cracking up? What squinky eye? You idiot. You can't sit here at a pipe. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Fiddle Sniffle Snaffle, that's what he calls him. <laughs> you one-eyed fish face sniffle snaffle. <laughs> God, how fun. Stand to you, swab. Imagine being on a set with Ray Walston and and Robin Williams working out these scenes. It must have been just Oh my God! You, look at the, the forearms look ridiculous on Popeye, but look at the forearms on him. It's just awesome. What squinky eye? Direct. Direct ripoff from Young Frankenstein. Hump. What hump? Which is another raunchy joke. Yeah, that's him doing Robin Williams right there. You 
But it's also classic. It's also the whole thing of parents and children reenacting their right. She choked on it, Papa. <laughs> I love those little girls he does in the statements. Stealing what? Spinach. So his ungrate son could grow up big and strong. Right over the old shoulder. I laughed a whole year. I've said that all the time. Oh, I say that line all the time. I laughed. I laughed a whole year. Ah, uh, you idiots! I said, get me down, get me down. <laughs> oh my God, this movie's so quotable. I love it. <laughs> Look at his punching arm twitching, and then he hits him with the other arm. I love it, but his right arm is just like twitch. It's, it's sort of like the Hulk in Avengers when he was standing there and he right. wanted to punch everybody, but was being friendly. I'm really surprised they got away with the hall ass thing because he says it like fifty times. Fifty times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> classic oh yeah exactly even though this this whole part like you say you can tell they suddenly ran out of money and and story here that's iconic yes maybe not iconic from the cartoon but iconic from the or from the comic strip, but from the cartoons that, that came. And I like that, okay, I don't know why it would be on the boat that Bluto's on, but I love that he actually used a, a commutator to get started, you know, where he actually had to pull it and then push it back to, you know, the, the position to make the boat go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who the hell is he is he communicating with? You know, it's... It's not that kind of a ship, but that's still cool. It's just a nice little detail, right? That they add. <laughs> not that the sequence is bad. It just it just degrades into an action sequence. Now all the stuff on the on the boats are great because once again it goes into that diorama <laughs> mode where everybody's doing something. You know, every everybody's got their body language working. Poop deck Pappy's got the exasperated right. body language. <laughs> Poop, uh? <laughs> Where the hell are you? <laughs> it does. It reminds me of Jaws for those long yes. shots of the ship. I like this movie. This movie trusts the actors and the characters to just sort of let them act and, and do things. Look at that jump. That's awesome. And, you know, doesn't rely on 
big special effects sequences or even really this it has set pieces that are fantastic but it's like a lot of times it's about the dialogue most of the time it's about the dialogue and the way the characters bounce off each other when you put them next to each other mm-hmm and I really, I love it. See, it, there's something, you, they, when Popeye took the wheel, the wheel came off in his hands. Right. And they just keep panning away, you know. It's just another little gag happening. And look, you got people running around. It's just. I don't know if he could make a movie like this anymore. I'm surprised they made it in the first place. Actually. Yeah, I know. Man. It's funny because in a lot of ways, you know, e- even though you know Disney had a had a hand in you know the distribution of the movie in a in a lot of ways, it's a very Disney-like movie. You know, with the iconic the songs and the set pieces, and it, it's really this part at the end, which I'm a, actually a, a lot less critical of this ending now than I used to be when I was a kid. Me too, because I thought that it really just completely Lost ran out steam. of steam at the end but it really i mean in in a funny kind of way i i now i kind of like the ending to it because it could be bigger it could be a little more overblown but by not being it, it keeps the same flavor that's been going on through the whole time yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it reminds me not in the actual movie in itself but the idea of it as something Disney-like, but Walt Disney-like. Right. Where Walt Disney would say, oh, we'll do Popeye, but let's get this this director, Robert Altman. You know, he might, it might be a little, kind of a weird choice, you know. Right. And let's, but this guy's got, you know, some Oscar, you know, has won some Oscars and has some acclaim, and we'll get a really good writer, and we'll get this guy who's won a lot of, you know, um... Grammys and stuff and right, but they're, they're, everybody's a little funky who's doing it. All the all the people are a little funky and 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 unique, and uh, that's something I associate more with Walt Disney. You know, Walt Disney was doing stuff with Salvador Dali, right? You know, I, I I associate it more with him than the comp. You know what became of the company, right? And. Uh, Especially in this time period where the Walt Disney Company was like, I don't know if they really knew what they were doing at, the, at this point. You know, they were trying to find their their legs. You know, he he personally asked the son of one of his old time rivals to direct Twenty Thousand Leagues. You know, the mm-hmm. the Fleischer that directed that was the son of. See this right here looks nice. like a hell of a stunt. Where where Williams is right up on the prow, all through that collision, that looks like quite yeah. the stunt to me. Like he actually could have gotten hurt doing yeah. that, you know? Oh yeah. He looks like he was kind of in a hurry to get out of the way there. Right. You see, this whole sequence is what reminds me of that, reminded me of that photo novel when I was watching right. it because 
that for some reason when I went into Book World and was looking at it, this was the sequence I see. I love that he just keeps her in the <laughs> in the tube, whatever that is, like an exhaust tube or whatever it is. The same thing they hit Indiana like Jones a, in. Yeah, it's like a ventilation pipe or something like that. <laughs> He's bailing. <laughs> <laughs> boat doesn't look terribly stable, does it? <laughs> Jesus! I love that kid. Oh my god. He's just adorable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, just having a riot, like boat rides and tons of attention. <laughs> now, you remember when we went to stay at your Aunt Joanne's and we were watching some TV station and they were playing all these horrible movies and we actually got to see Bride of the Monster by Edward? Right. This reminds me of that with the bat. That this was what they got the most. F I I I do like this scene of him coming up with the treasure. Right, the smile on his face is awesome. But um, yeah, it reminds me of Edward Bride of the Monster, where, you know, they 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 got the they got the octopus. Yeah, but they didn't get the stuff to power it. So it's like the most rubber-looking octopus ever. This octopus got a lot of flack with this for this in this movie, right? Classic, classic Popeye the the pipe. <laughs> kind of another Jaws like scene. <laughs> I like that they built a mechanical Popeye to travel under right, window, and that he sees through his pipe. <laughs> right from the from the. Cartoons. Yeah. That was, this is more cartoony at the end than it is comic strip. <laughs> they must have had a stunt Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Inside. <laughs> Even in the water, he moves the same way. <laughs> One, two, three. You know, for uh, for not having much ability to do, I mean, that's that's cool. That's a good effect. A little undercranked film. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same shot of the octopus <laughs> over and over, yeah. It's one of those things where you can tell in the editing room they were trying to piece it they together. They were trying, yeah. Into something. But with anything like this, resolving the story is never as interesting as, as introducing the characters and... You know, just the action set pieces. It's hard to end things like this. <laughs> Kick the ladder over. 
It's funny, the townspeople all have excuses not to help, but when they do help, right. it, it ends up... It <laughs> they probably it shouldn't worse. have in yeah. the first place, yeah. It's like he didn't cut the top of his head off. I know. <laughs> it's the same shot again. I'm freaking that kid out. They were trying. They were trying. Yeah. Keep saying octopusy too. Ah, <laughs> poor kid. He's wailing his head off now. They're scaring the hell out of him. Kid will never eat calamari again in his life. <laughs> zooming in on Same the Same shot with just a, with a, yeah, that wasn't even a real zoom. That was like they, they did that in the, in post. Yep. Because they probably had that one shot. <laughs> they probably had other shots, but they were probably really crappy. That was dubbed in. <laughs> At the end of this, I'm going to show you the treasure chest. Now they watch. Here we go. Yeah. Constant things she's saying, you know, help Popeye and all that. Just totally reminds me of the old cartoons. Because, see, I think a lot of what people wanted to see in this movie, a lot of the elements come more from the Popeye cartoons than they do from the actual strips. Yes, I'm sure that's what it was. And, like, it's weird because in, in this time period especially, this was in the height of, like, Popeye's, I think Popeye still is public domain. Yeah, I think What's so. What's public domain? It's public domain. So anybody, if you want to do a Popeye comic book, you can do a Popeye comic book. You want to do a Popeye movie, you want to call your peanut butter Popeye peanut butter, your spinach Popeye spinach, you can. No, nobody's going to stop you. Right. So at this point, you know, so that meant as far as quality control goes with Popeye, it was at a minimum. There wasn't anybody in any control saying, well, if we put Popeye on spinach, let's make sure it's good spinach or a, a cartoon. Right. Let's make sure it's a good cartoon. People could just, you know, people could take old Popeye cartoons. There were millions of video cassettes of Popeye cartoons that were like copies of copies of copies of copies. Right. So the the Popeye brand wasn't exactly at its peak then. And it's really funny that this, <laughs> there's the association with Disney with this because it seems like Disney's pretty good at like grabbing a brand and trying to like breathe life into it. Right. Or, or restore it to its, you know, original amount of respect, maybe. 
Right. That's so That's gross. That's nasty. Yeah. I like spinach, but not raw, like, cold out of the can, shoved in your mouth like that. He looks like it's making him sick, too. Yeah. But it's funny. This is the big scene that, you you know, they always did this at this time period, though. They wouldn't let the superhero have their big power show until the very end of the movie. Right. And I like that bubble effects, yeah. like raising crap from the bottom of the... <laughs> I love that he parts the water. Yeah, this 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 part yeah, is exactly the cartoons. Yeah. You know, the music. Yeah. But it caught a lot of flack because it's just cheesy. Yeah, it it, it lacks a, the rubberest. But that's a great shot though. Right. Bubbles. Well, I like that shot of the thing flying through the air. It just, you know, a little more money, a little more on the special effects and that could have been really something. Yeah. This is a part that stood out in the photo novel. It's just like, there goes Bluto, he's turned yellow. Right. Because it's not a bad ending, other than they just needed a little bit something more with the octopus. But see, what a strange shot, like, so far away from him. But it's great. Right. It's a little diorama. Everybody's placed on their spot. You can see the platform that he's on, too. They had the same problem in Superman 2 when the the Phantom Zone villains are walking on water. water. They're obviously like a platform right under them that you can see. Yeah. They have the same problem here. It just never works, that whole walking on water thing. That's really Robin Williams doing no, all these flips. The whole, like, a good part of the town were circus folks and acrobats. Oh, okay. Dancers, circus folks, and acrobats. So I'm sure they had the same. It was probably the same guy who did the tumble down the, the in the beginning when he first got punched. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great shot. And Aww, I love it's the king over that 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 shot there is just looks like something from the 60s it looks like something from the end of a Popeye old Popeye cartoon right with the font and everything yeah see <laughs> everybody's got a character David Moff right that's the guy's name is attacked right man. coal oil nan oil roughhouse roughhouse gets called by name right and gravy yeah, see a Your lot of these boyfriend. guys. Now, yeah. Ham Gravy, you can hear him during her party going, "This day is actually the saddest That's day right. of my yeah. life. It's the saddest day of my life." But splats, you know, and I'm sure these are all Bear the Hermit, the Wallflower Sisters, Wallfleur. But these are right. all, you know, from the comics. Mm -hmm. And these guys probably had to do work, had like their characters mapped out from for all pickle, Piccolina, <laughs> Mayor Stonefeller, the official, Von Schnitzel, the conductor. That's Klaus Vorman. That's funny. 
Hoagie. Cindy, the drudge. What is that? What's a drudge? I love this piece of music at the end. Because they do this a lot in musicals, where now it's an orchestral version of the songs that we've heard throughout the movie. Yes. It's, it's really well done. There are bootleg scores out there for this movie that have uh, this, this incorporated and the food song incorporated into them, but I think it's just largely where somebody has just bled it off the recorded movie. them. Yeah, bled them right off the movie itself. To my knowledge, there's never been like any sort of like special edition or complete score or anything put out. Well, for I this had movie. one. I would love to see them do that. The last one I got had the food song on it and it had the Nielsen demos on right it as you know and I always assumed that was like probably like the CD reissue and they were like oh we'll throw these on as extras yeah, I, I don't think so though I don't think that's an official release I, I could be wrong about that but I don't think so yeah but yeah the food song on the Nielsen um, and on our Facebook page, I'll put I'll put all this stuff up. But the food song on that is so bare bones. It's like him with a little keyboard. Yeah. It sounds like a pump organ, actually. It sounds like he's playing a pump organ. And, you know, you can tell it's just him sitting around in his living room working out the song. The lyrics aren't quite there. But he'd also worked in the, you know, I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And you can hear him sort of mumble through it and then uh, hamburger today. So it's really funny. A lot of that stuff I thought would be added to the song from the movie, you know, but mm-hmm. the persons and events in this film are fictitious. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> Any resemblance to anyone living and dead is it? So it's only a coincidence that Bluto looks like your dad. Actually, I saw a video of Captain Beefheart. Now, Captain yeah. Beefheart doesn't sound like your dad, but there was he a sure time looks period like him, where he yeah. looked just like him. And I was watching the song going, oh, my God, it's almost uncanny how much he looked like your dad. Now, I would never see your dad do, like doing the stuff on stage, <laughs> you know, the body language of him on stage. But the face, it was just like really creepy. Maybe they were long lost brothers or something. One of my favorite movies of all time, Popeye. As of uh, as of September of this year, there was a thread for this on Film Score Monthly where somebody asked, "Has this soundtrack ever been released on CD?" It says, "As a kid, it was one of my uh, favorites, and I think I wore my LP soundtrack out. Have not seen the film in years, but always felt it was a guilty pleasure." And the response was. No domestic CD. The LP was not a soundtrack, but a studio re-record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because a lot of the stuff was recorded live on this. The, the vocals were sung on the set. Correct, yeah. And so whenever yeah. they did that, they would. it was very much like when you would get like the original Broadway cast. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a... a recording of the show it would be the cast all got together and they just would roughly approximate it you know right 
I don't know. I haven't listened to the soundtrack of this. Whenever I get like the the urge to hear or see one of the songs, I go to YouTube and watch the video along with it because I like watching the the way the mu- you know it, it become it's become almost its own little music box toy thing where the the music and the visuals are so locked together in my mind that I lose something from like the food song. Although when I hear the food song, I play the vid- the visuals in my head. There's something about seeing it. It's like winding up a toy and watching it do its thing. Oh wow! It says uh, there was a CD release of the album uh, cuts, but with no extra tracks. There are tapes floating around of Nilsson's original demos of the songs that would make for nice extra extras if this ever gets an expanded release. Yep. And if you really want to go all out, the French LP pressing is significantly different from the Boardwalk LP release, which that's the American uh, release, uh, including not only vocals of some of the songs in French, but several uh, instrumental tracks not on the U.S. album. Mm. Wow. Mm. There sure are a lot of people in this thread calling for uh, an expanded release of this. And then I there's somebody don't making see it happening, you know. Well, you know, you never know though. It could happen because, I mean, there are certainly a lot of films that have been released recently. You know, film scores. I mean, that have been released recently that you wouldn't think off the top of your head would would have a high demand, but then you know they got released and. The the smart thing to do is the way that La La Land's been doing it. They're, they've been doing these releases that people have been asking for for years. In limited, but they're doing them in, in limited. Yeah, exactly, limited and kind of pricey. And they typically they'll sell out the entire print run. That's the way to do it. And uh, they they've done a lot of films that people have been asking for. So it could happen. Especially as the you know the more that movies, you know movie soundtracks get mined, and as they kind of run out of the ones that are the holy grails for people, you know they've got to come up with new ones because mm-hmm. you can only milk the same one so many times before people are like, you know what, I'm good with the one that I've got. So the ones that are prime are ones like this, where the initial commercial release was kind of crappy was to begin lacking, with. Yeah. Yeah. There were and, a lot of those. Oh, yeah, there were. Yeah, there were tons of them. And this is one of the worst offenders because it's not it, it's not a good release. Plus, you know, so many of them were, were different cut. You know, like it says here, you know, they were re-records. They were studio re-records as opposed to what you truly heard in the film itself. Plus, again, you know, arguably the best film in the entire picture doesn't make the album. Well, I heard, you know, I heard one of Olive Oil's songs in this made it into a Paul Thomas Anderson movie hmm. recently. The guy who did Boogie Nights. I can't, I can't remember what movie it was. It was one of his movies after that, but they actually used the Shelley Duvall song. In, Which one? In that movie. I think that He Needs Me song. Eh. That's wild. That I'll have to do a little wild. research on the YouTubes. There's probably a clip of it that I can... But yeah, go to our Facebook page because I'm going to be... When, when this show goes up, uh, I will post a lot of little clips 
to go along with it, you know, of like the Nielsen songs and stuff like that, because they're they're really something else. Some of them are really raw. Some of them have full instrumentation to them and really sweet singing. And they take on a whole new, you know, the, the really sweet songs take on, they, they come out more like a really good pop song, you know, off a record. Because his, his voice is awesome. And he's also one of those very simple singers and almost childlike in a way. It's really strange. I just got another soundtrack album that he wrote. And he was in the movie of it. Ringo Starr was in the movie with him, too. That was called uh, Dracula's Son. And it was a comedy musical. And I watched part of the movie. It was pretty awful. He and Ringo were buddies, too. Because remember that's that movie, The Point? With the Me and My Arrow song? A lot mm. of people do. I never saw it when yeah. I was a kid. But Nielsen wrote all the music to that. And I found that on YouTube last night, and I was watching it. And again, it's like really great animation. I think it's by the same people who did, um, 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 Letterman for the Electric Company, right? And Ringo narrates it, and it's all Nielsen songs, and it was beautiful. All this so far, everything I've watched on it, like the songs were all great, real simple. But good weird kid, you know, when they used to make, well, I, I should, shouldn't say when they used to make kids cartoons weird because, man, they're making them weird again these days. So back when they were 70s weird. But Scott Rifen, you got to get on the horn, man, and tell me what your gripe is about this movie. It just ain't right, man. <laughs> Next time you're sitting down, putting a little salt and pepper on a baby, maybe you should pop in Popeye and <laughs> give it a whirl. Maybe that'll soften up your rock-hard heart, your hard, hard, hard Disney-loving heart. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. Come 
And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. I pop by the Salem Man. I pop by the Salem Man. I'm strong to the finish, cause I eat my spinach. I pop by the Salem Man. What hates all palookas? What ain't on the up and square? I fix them and bump them and always I rub them and none of them get nowhere. If anyone dances to it, my fist is buff and it's wham on her stand. So keep good behavior, that's your one lifesaver with Popeye the Sailor Man. Sing along with me, everybody. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I am what I am, and that's all what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> I'm one top kazooka. What hates all kazooka? What hates on the ups? That's where. Boy, I bips them and bumps them and always I'm rubs them, but none of them gets nowhere. Now if anyone dances to rip my fist, it's buff and it's wham, understand? So keep good behavior, it's your one lifesaver with Popeye the Sailor Man. Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, Soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.